Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for coming over to Satiate today, the Boulder Nutrition Podcast. I am Sue Van Rays, your host and founder of Boulder Nutrition here in Boulder, Colorado, where I specialize in women's health, functional nutrition, digestive repair, and food psychology. I also lead women's wellness retreats both locally and internationally. You can find out all about my work at bouldernutrition.com. My intention with Satiate is to provide you with practices, nutritional insights, inspiration, and stories to satiate your body, mind, and soul. I hope you enjoy this episode of Satiate. Well, I'm really excited today because we have a great special guest on the Boulder Nutrition Podcast, Satiate, and her name is Nicole DeBoom. And I just want to take a moment to introduce her to all of you. Nicole DeBoom founded Skirt Sports in 2004. And here's a little bit more about her. In 1988, Nicole qualified for the Olympic trials in the 100 meter breaststroke in Austin. After marrying her husband in 1996, they pursued a triathlon lifestyle together for many years. She turned pro in 1999 and started winning races. In 2003, on a training run in Lyons, Colorado, Nicole glimpsed her reflection in a storefront window and had three thoughts. The first, I look like a boy in my ill-fitting men's clothes. The second, I'm totally uninspired. And the third, I just want to feel pretty. Is that so horrible? She cut her run short that day, ran home, and started scribbling notes for what would later become skirt sports. She decided that she would turn the women's fitness clothing market upside down and create something that had never been done before, a running skirt. Her goal was to inspire and motivate herself and other women who couldn't find what they wanted in the market. She wore a prototype of the very first ever running skirt during her 26.2 mile marathon. At the end of 2004, Ironman Wisconsin and won the race. She knew as she crossed the finish line that day that she was going to do it. She was gonna start a clothing company and help inspire other women to get out the door too. Nicole founded Skirt Sports three days later on September 15th, 2004, with the goal of helping women find strength and power and happiness through running. Today, Skirt Sports has expanded from its initial running skirt to a full line of inspirational women's fitness apparel sold in hundreds of stores across the US and throughout the world, as well as a huge focus on events as the main driving force for women to move their lives forward. Today, Nicole continues to lead the company, or at least she'll tell us her new version of her company today on the podcast, but balancing the challenge of staying fit, running a business, and chasing around a girl named Wilder is her biggest passion. Something that continues to inform the foundation of her life is her mantra, when my body is fit and strong, my mind is fitter and stronger too. Thank you so much for being here. What an incredible story, Nicole. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Okay. When somebody reads your bio like that, it's 
I mean, there's a mix of emotions because you live your own life, but you don't every day step back and appreciate and celebrate the things you did. Before we get to this very exciting new information and news that you have to share, tell us a little bit more about the inspiration behind Skirt Sports. I love your story about walking past the, um, the window and seeing your reflection. Tell me more about that and how Skirt Sports really came to be. You know, it's actually, it goes a lot deeper. Um, I'm actually going to start way before that fateful day in Lyons, Colorado in 2003. Um, okay. Because when I was a kid, I was very much like a, a tomboyish looking kind of girl, but I felt like a girly girl but I kind of looked like a tomboy. And I mean, even when I was really little, people always often confused me for a boy. I remember being on a family cross-country vacation trip, stopping at a gas station, and I like wander into the gas station to use the bathroom. And the guy at the gas station just points to the boy's room. And I looked at it and I was like, no, that's not me. I'm a girl, <laughs> you know? So this idea of the feminine not being represented how I wanted it to within myself started pretty young. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, as I, as I got older, it, you know, I always, it was always sort of at the edge of my consciousness. And even so much so that when I was in college and I needed to write a senior thesis, I was a sociology major. Um, I decided to write about the female athlete and I called it the female athlete and oxymoron. Because to be female or feminine in the early 90s meant one thing, and to be a successful athlete at that time meant something entirely different. It was like softness, be as skinny as you can, be as you know graceful and, and, and welcoming and hospitable as you can as a, a feminine which I didn't necessarily agree with, but that's what was presented to us. And to be a strong or to be an athlete was strong muscles, aggression, you know, and they definitely contradicted. So the female athlete often found herself in this place of confusion, of trying to be strong and aggressive and all the things you needed to do to, to be, to win at sports but how did you carry over the feminine side, right? So that's just a little background. Like this has been in the subconscious or even the front conscious of my mind for so many years. So that by the time, you know, I was a, a woman in my 20s and 30s and racing triathlon, um, I actually on that fateful day you mentioned kind of stumbled upon an idea of something I could do about it. I love it. The interesting thing that I'm really resonating with, and I know you and I are just getting to know each other, but I was a competitive gymnast as a child, and I had such a similar conundrum going on. I, I thought, you know, the, the difference between the masculine and the feminine was so drastic in those days in my childhood, and, or what was perceived masculine and feminine. And man, the gymnastics world really required me to like dig deep into my toughness and into my strength, inner and outer. And man, it was such a hard thing to assimilate being a young woman or a young girl and then, you know, an athlete. So I'm really glad that you brought that up because that really kind of meets something in me as well. 
And you know, what's really crazy is I did my, you know, amateur research in college on this topic. And I put a survey out to all my friend athletes in all kinds of sports. And there is one thing I found, and that was women who participated in sports where they were forced or needed to wear skimpy uniforms and or were judged, not like in swimming, we wore skimpy uniforms, right? We're all like almost naked on the deck every day, but we touched a wall and our time was our time. In gymnastics, you didn't, you were judged. And so women who, who were in those sports ended up with more body insecurity than other sports. And it led to more prevalence of eating disorders and all kinds of things that we've had to battle throughout our lives. So while sport brings us confidence and courage and tons of other amazing life skills, we also had that little conflict to deal with. Um, as we came out of, say, competitive sports and entered the real world, like I'm assuming for you, it's like, hey, you might you might have been competitive through high school or even college, but after that, if you're not going to the Olympics, you're not joining an adult competitive gymnastics league, right? Absolutely, yeah. Even college, I was varsity in college, but it was already past our prime. We all knew that. We still got the scholarship and had some fun and competed, but it was definitely as a, as a gymnast, you definitely kind of pass your prime after puberty, which is so challenging to, you know, compared to what you've been doing in the running and triathlon world where it's, you know, a completely different thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely expanded, expanded or extended <laughs> my athletic um, prime, I guess, through choosing sports that you got better and better at as you got older. But in swimming, it's really interesting because I grew up a swimmer, as you mentioned in the bio. Um, and a lot of swimmers peak when they're in their teens. But it has more recently been proven that you don't necessarily have to peak. You can have these comebacks. Like, I don't know if you remember Dara Torres, mm. who like came back and crushed the Olympics in the 50 free when she was 40 or in her 40s. So she had done it at 16 and then she continued to do it or took some time off, but came back to it at 40. So, you know, swimming, I think it, it, it's probably more of a mental game if you want to stay in. But yeah, it's, um, you know, I think being in the health and wellness world, fitness is really important to both of us, right? And as we get older, it's about how do you continue to include it in your life in a way that fulfills you emotionally and maybe competitively, if that's still important to you, and for your sanity. Yeah, absolutely. So let's circle back to the moment of realizing that this was the time, this was the idea, this was one of the ways that you could make a change, which clearly became much bigger than a running skirt. It became a huge movement and community. But let's start with your journey in the beginning, that first race, you wore the skirt in and won and decided to go for it. Um, tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you had mentioned the storefront window. I get all my best ideas when I'm working out. I find that it is the time when my mind finally clears the clutter, right? Get out and move. And for me, it is literally a 20-minute mark. I have finally figured that out too. I need more than five minutes. Once 20 minutes comes, I realize, oh my gosh, I'm not really thinking about anything. And that's when the good stuff comes in, right? 
So that day in December of 2003, I was actually on a little training run. And when I glanced my reflection and I saw what I saw, which was I looked like a boy again, you know, it's triggering those six-year-old girl memories. And and that I loved how you said this because I've become a little paranoid about it as the feminine and feminist um, movement and culture has resurfaced and evolved over time. It's this idea of wanting to look or feel pretty. And that is exactly what I felt. And over time, it's I felt like I'm almost embarrassed to say that because there's this movement that I believe in that it really doesn't matter, right? Like who cares what you look like or whatever? Like really, I believe that. It's, it's really about how you feel. And that's what I keep coming back to. I just wanted to feel a different way than I did a way that would inspire me. And I felt like I was compromising that feminine side of myself. Like when we were athletes, we would put on our little men's designed clothing made for men by men and head out on a run and we weren't comfortable and we didn't feel good. And so really, you know, that's what I was going after. And that word pretty actually became very important. I ran home and I wrote it on a piece of paper and I scribbled all these notes and I I wrote like, it's actually really funny to look back on this stuff because you almost feel embarrassed. <laughs> you're like, oh, the origins. I wrote, I want to do what Venus and Serena did in tennis. Like they'd walk out in their cat suits and like prance out there and then they would kick some ass. They dominated because it gave them confidence. And, um, and I was like, I, wanted, I want to make product that actually includes all three things, performance, comfort, and cute. If I could get all three things together, because you could get two, or you definitely could get one, but you couldn't get all three, then I felt like maybe maybe that was something more people would want. So I did, I moved that idea forward and I focused on one thing because a whole clothing line when you don't know how to start a clothing company is quite intimidating. So I picked a thing that had never been done, which was a running skirt, you know, um, there were tennis skirts, clearly. I just mentioned Venus and Serena, but no one had done this in running. And I started getting these prototypes made and testing them in my training. And I've always believed that when you're moving forward on a new career path as an entrepreneur, don't quit your day job while you're working on your next idea because you just don't know what's going to happen. So I was still racing as a professional triathlete at that time. And I decided this thing is actually testing really well. So why don't I bring it, you know, take it through the ultimate test and wear it during an Ironman. And if I actually have the best day ever and have a shot of winning or even being top three or something, it will get attention and it will prove something that I knew was going to happen, that you can be a serious athlete and wear a skirt. So therefore be a serious athlete and not compromise your feminine side while you're out there. Because I knew a lot of people would look at that and go, you're wearing a skirt, you're not serious. So to your point, I wore that little skirt. I snapped that skirt on. I was in third place coming off the bike that day. It was September 12th of 2004. We're running up on the 16th, sweet 16 anniversary to that day. And I just went forward. And sure enough, by mile 20, I had passed all the women ahead of me and 
I hung on. There were strong women coming up behind me, but that little skirt was like a freaking secret weapon. People were, you know, your name is on your race bib and it's a two loop run at the Ironman Wisconsin. And on the first loop, everyone's excited to see the top women top anybody, right? So like they'd see a bike, a lead bike coming and they'd be like, okay, it's a third. I'd go by, go third woman, right? That's what they were screaming. But by the second loop and by the time I had taken the lead, they had already seen me once and they're like, oh my gosh, the lead woman's coming. I wonder who it's going to be. And as I ran up into these aid stations and these like groups of partying college kids who were supporting the race, Instead of go first place or reading my bib, do you want to know what they said? <laughs> they, said oh, they said, oh my gosh, here she comes. <gasps> it's the skirt. Go skirt. And it literally was a identity transformation on the race course that day. And I crossed the line in first place just thinking in my head, something big just happened. Wow. That is beautiful. I love that. And like, just to get that affirmation in the race is so special and just so amazing and brilliant. I can't believe that it all came together that way. What an amazing affirmation. It's, it's really funny because I'm looking at the first skirt. I actually have it on my wall right now. And, um, it wasn't even really like a skirt. It was like a loincloth. I mean, it literally, the purpose of starting this company and creating this product was to cover my butt. So at the end of the day, it became kind of known as a sexy symbol. But the truth is it was, it's like the opposite, but the opposite proves to be sexier. By covering and not showing everything, it's kind of like, oh, I wonder what's going on there. You know, it like... So it was a really cool product because it allowed women who had insecurities about their bodies, who didn't, who didn't like running shorts that were riding up, which was my problem too, um, who didn't want to wear the spandex that showed every lump and bump. And they're like, you know, now I can cover that, but I actually feel sexier than when I showed more skin. Isn't that interesting? I think it's amazing and so true. And I personally love your running skirts and wear them all the time. And I feel similar. It really changes everything. It, it adds a little sass. It adds a little flair. And I would way rather hike or run or be out and about in one of those than what, you know, what I used to wear in the, in the days of my gymnastics career. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. All right. So I love this. And what I love so much about your story is that this skirt was also this gateway into a, a movement. And the movement is kind of what I've really seen in my years of being in Boulder, Colorado, where you have probably one of your original skirt sports stores, I would imagine. And and noticing and watching the, the marketing, the inspiration, the way that you've supported women to feel empowered in their body and in their health and in their movement, no matter where they're starting from. I am just so excited to hear a little bit more about that part of your, of your business. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, we all evolve. And as a founder of a company who's 
maintained a very strong presence in the company, the evolution often goes hand in hand. And I had a lot of growing to do during these years. I started the company when I was 32 years old. I'm 48 now. Um, I was, I had a big ego. I thought I was the shit. (laughs) I thought I could, you know, I was taking over the world. I was getting lots of accolades and, you know, just excitement for what I was doing. And and I was also um, u- utilizing like some unhealthy coping mechanisms. My marriage was in a weird place because when one partner starts something that they're super passionate about, it creates an imbalance. And it was just a tumultuous time. Like I look back on it and I was resentful of Tim and he was resentful of me. And then I was drinking so much because I was so just angry. And at the same time, it was the most amazing ride of a business that you could be on because we literally went from like zero to, we were over a million dollars in three years. We were raising money um, and it was just taking off. Right. But I had some of my own insecurities and issues that I had to deal with in those early days. And it took I look back on like the culture of inclusivity and pure love that we have cultivated and I wasn't ready to cultivate that until I dealt with some of those things. So I feel like that's an important thing for people to know. Like you feel like you are on this whirlwind that should just be the best time of your life. But when other things are off balance, it's, it's really hard to fully embrace it in a healthy way. So yeah, I don't know where that's going except the fact that um, once I got myself together and I faced my alcohol issues, I quit drinking, I'd had a lifelong love affair with alcohol. I thought it was my friend. It was not my friend. I could never drink Um, in a healthy manner or like drink responsibly. That was not me. (laughs) I was, I was, and still am an all in kind of person. And so you give me anything, I go all in. And so um, once I got that under control and my marriage actually then started to stabilize, um, then I think I was able to soften a little. My ego took, you know, third or fourth fiddle. It wasn't leading the charge anymore. And I was making better decisions about how to build a community. You know, I just, I was more, finally more in. I was growing up. I guess I got mature. I gained maturity over the first few years. I'm sure. Well, and also I I know from being in business and being women in business, women entrepreneurs, we both have that in common there's a lot to learn and the business becomes like a teacher. And it's like, I look back, my business has been around for 18 years now and I can't believe how many different phases of growth and phases of how the business reflected what was either needed for me to learn or, you know, pushed me in ways. It's like a whole, a whole interesting teaching that we just have at our fingertips if we pay attention. You're right. And, you know, for me, it's always been built on relationships. That is my number one core value for the business. 
And it's interesting. I did a, like a self-growth um, program with this amazing woman in Boulder named Erin Weed. I don't know if you know Erin. And I did what you call a dig. And what she does is she helps, helps you craft your own inner mission and message to gain clarity about where you are. And, and it's those of us who are like, I don't know what I'm doing, who I'll call Erin, help me. Um, and she, she, she drives it down to one word. And my word, funny enough, was relationship. And so it's, it's really interesting because I didn't go into this dig exercise thinking that word. It wasn't even in my head. It was more like connection or, you know, other things. But skirt sports has been built on relationships. And as I've evolved, those relationships had to evolve. Um, the women who were involved with the company early on, like as employees, they are not, you know, they were gone within the first few years because the company evolved, I evolved, I became healthier, and it just wasn't the right fit anymore. And so I think you find that often in business, like you bring all your friends and your family in and it only works for a little while. And that's heartbreaking. So there's a lot of growth that comes from like having to have hard conversations or having them have hard conversations with you. And, um, but you, you know, at the end of the day, you always get to the place you're supposed to be. And so I'd say after the first few years, maybe the first five years, yeah, I was, had really built a strong foundation for the business and we were in serious growth mode. And not only was I really feeling like a strong business leader, um, but I was also starting to learn the power of building a community of women who felt like they weren't included anywhere else. And it's just the best place to live. Mm. Well, that's great that you brought that up because I really want to talk to you about like your mission around that and how you did that and your marketing is so beautifully inclusive, you know, and I just see the body positivity that you are bringing to the community. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Absolutely. I think we, we take steps, we push our limits each step of the way. And I think it was like 2013 or something. And we put a flyer out that said, all bodies welcome. So we were one of the very first brands to really be pushing this size awareness kind of um, campaign. And we had a woman in every size clothing. At the time, we had extra small to XXL. And we had them all in the exact same styles. And they're kind of lined up together, smiling at the camera. And the one thing we didn't have was skin diversity that needed to start to come into play. And we also did not have age diversity. So there's a lot of things to think about in this world of inclusion. But when we put that out, I was like, gosh, I hope it, at the time it was traditional marketing, aspirational. Everyone would show the most muscular, fittest models and then just be like, this is what you have to aspire to. And it made most women in the world feel bad about themselves. So- yeah. So when we took this step and threw that flyer out there, I was like, oh gosh, I hope people are on board with this because it was pushing me too to like try something new. And the response was insane. 
I mean, people still have that thing on their fridge. You know, I mean, when you see a message that really hits you in the heart, you hang on to it. So we went from there. What we have done all along is listen to our customers and listen to the women who want to be our customers but don't feel included yet and then figure out how to get them included too. So every step of the way, that's my number one thing. Um, This is not about what you want. This is about what the people who are drawn to what you've created want. I know it's a hard, it's a weird thing, but even thinking about it from a product perspective, I don't love every print we've ever made. I don't love every style we've ever made. I don't wear many of them because they're not perfect for my body, but that's not the point. At some point it stops being about you and it just starts being about the collective. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's interesting how those iterations of timeframes come and go with phases of what is needed what is needed from the business, what is needed from the marketing, what is needed from the creations to match. And I know in my business, I face that all the time. And it's like, ooh, I have all of this going on. All of a sudden, this is the theme of my summer is you know, women with hot flashes. And <laughs> it's like, okay, so it's time to really you know, support them in a different way with that wave of what's being brought in. And I can see where for you, Similarly, you know, meeting the needs of your community and of your clients or your the clients who want to, people who want to be your clients, it's such a great way to operate a business so much more organic than doing it from, you know, just all in our head or something. Yes, uh, you're right on. Um, It's when you don't listen to your customers that you really go awry. Now, sometimes you're kind of ahead of the game. So like, in the bio, it says, yeah, we sell into hundreds of stores. Well, we were selling into hundreds of stores all over the country. And when we were introducing our XXL relaxed fitting styles, this free me collection, um, we got a lot of feedback that, oh, we lots of women will buy it. We have women in that size range who don't have anything, but we were sort of ahead of the curve. And so at the end of the day, it didn't sell that well, but it didn't mean there wasn't a market. It meant that the stores we were selling into didn't quite know how to sell it. And those women didn't know that they could actually go into that store and buy it yet. So those are tough things because you only have a period of time to test certain things. And if they feel like they're not working, you usually need to cut them. And when you're that far working in a year, year and a half ahead, which you do on product development, um, it's definitely it's definitely a tough game. And what you really need to develop is this both a thicker skin um, and an ability to look into the crystal ball. And you've got to you've got to have a little bit of the gift of what is actually going to come because mm-hmm. you really don't you are working very far in advance. So it's interesting when, when a product line comes out, we're over it. We've already, we've been, we worked on that a year and a half ago. Oh, that's finally out. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm two years, you know, I'm down the road. So, uh, I will miss some of that as I move on, which I know we're going to get to here in a minute, but there's a lot of lessons in, in, you know, this, in what, when you say one of the things that we did well is building community. 
I say if we didn't have community, I wouldn't have been here. The company would have shut down in a few years. You have to build more than a product these days. You have to build something that emotionally resonates with people. And if you're lucky, then it'll be a lot of people. And then, and then your challenge is figuring out how to harness them and keep them happy. Mm, I love it. It's such, an, such a great way to do business. It feels so much more in the feminine, really. It's like the, the feminine aspect and that quality of, of intuition and trusting ourselves and being able to go with the flow. I love it. Tell us, Nicole, I know you have big news for something that is now changing with Skirt Sports, and I've been following you on social media, watching the, the buildup, which was also amazing how you did that, the buildup towards this um, announcement of what's next. And since now the cat's out of the bag, I feel like we can ask you here, tell us about it. What's happening? Well, I sold my business. <laughs> <laughs> I sent my baby off to college. She's got a new house mama. Um, after almost 16 years, I was faced, I've been faced with many, many challenges over the years. And I have wanted to move on personally and do some new things for a number of years. And it always felt like it wasn't the right time to sell the company. Remember, I have investors. Um, I have a lot of money and there's a lot of financial implications to, to selling a business. But beyond that, I want to see my legacy live on. And it was like, things just kept happening where I go, oh, it's not the right time. We got to dig back in one more year, right? Well, one more year, can, that, that can go on for a really long time. And in 2015, around this time last year, we went through something really hard. And I, I have talked about it, not in depth, but I'm going to share it if that's okay. Because sure. to, to get to the end of the rainbow, y you go through a bit of a roller coaster. Um, I'll be honest, it, on August 1st of last year, 20, uh, sorry, 2019, I was getting the company ready to sell. I knew I needed to move on in my life. I'd been doing it 15 years. It was time. I needed more challenges. And literally the day before we were going to like the market to sell, like we were going to put it out there, um, we got some really, really crappy news from our number one biggest vendor. So when you're in business, what you try to do is minimize your risk. So everything you have is sort of spread out. You never have all your eggs in one basket in any part of your business. And we were in really good shape. We have been growing. We were profitable. Um, 2019 was looking good. And our biggest account was Amazon. And I knew it was risky because it was really big. But we've been doing business with them for over a decade. And why would we think that anything would, why would they change anything that they've been doing for 10 years? And the day before we went to market, we were finalizing our projections for the year. And they basically said, yeah, we're not going to take the product we committed to. It was a lot of product. Let me tell you, lots and lots of product. And we had ordered it and we had paid for it. And it was in our warehouse. 
And they said, we're just changing the way we work with brands that are under $10 million with us. So you're going to have to change your business with us. And that was it. There was no negotiating with them. They're Amazon, you know, and I didn't want to like be a crybaby at the time. And I'm telling you this now because we have a good ending. <clears throat> so I don't feel like it is what it is, right? I learned my lesson. You don't have too big of an account in the future. Well, <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever be able to use that lesson again. But um, so I woke up the next day and I had a twitch in my leg and I could barely sleep that night and I've slept for 15 years. I'm, I, I don't feel the stress usually. I never even used the word. I hate, it. I hate that word. I always change it to excitement. Like, wow, it's a really exciting day. Lots going on. And it just, it changes the body's response, right? But I woke up with a twitch in my thigh. Never had a twitch in my thigh. The twitch did not go away for two months. I slept very little. And, and in my head, the thought, thoughts just kept spiraling that I, I could potentially lose everything, not just my business. I could lose my house. I personally guaranteed all our loans through all of this. I could lose my marriage that, you know, we had worked so hard to, to hold on to for so many years. And, um, and finally I realized, well, I'm not selling my business right now. We're a sinking ship. So what we need to do is bail the water. We have to get out of this mess. And so we did. Last fall, we, we sold all that product that Amazon had committed to, and we sold it for really cheap, and we moved ourselves out of that mess. And by the end of the year, I, I wasn't going to lose my house anymore, um, and I wasn't going to lose my marriage, I hoped, although he was really getting tired of my, <laughs> you know, difficult state of mind. Um, but I was slowly but surely turning things around and becoming, seeing the positive because that's who I am. I am not a person who lives in the dark and I, I am not a person who is prone to like depression, but I could feel that it could be so close. You know, it was very close. Um, and what's interesting is we came into 2020 we paid off our bank line. I was like, oh my gosh, we're free. <laughs> like I didn't put 15 years into this company to have a bank chase me around for another 10. It's okay. So whatever happens next, we're going to be okay. And I literally started 2020 and I was like, thank God 2019's over. 2020 is going to be amazing. <laughs> Can you believe that? <laughs> Oh my God, if we only had like the vision we have in hindsight, right? Holy cow. Holy cow. So here we are. We're in an unhealthy place as a company. We've been unhealthy before, but we've gotten our feet back under us. And my dream of selling for, you know, making a bunch of money and selling and putting the company into the hands of another business that would do it right. I mean, it was kind of gone. Because within six weeks, our whole country shut down and we didn't know what was going to happen. And our sales bombed for weeks, a month, you know, and we didn't have that luxury to let it bomb. And so I looked forward and I said, I talked to a friend who, who actually um, shut down a business because he hit a brick wall 
And then he started another business and he shut that one down when he saw the end coming. And he shut the second one down much more gracefully and financially sound. And he didn't know anybody money. And I said, I think I see the end coming. It's a very hard thing to admit, like very, very hard. Um, I don't know if I have it in me to, to turn, you know, to not have that be the end. I think this, I think the best decision is for us to shut it down and do the best we can with closing it down, tie up all the loose ends. And while we're closing down, if we can find a buyer, if we can find a new owner for this company who believes in what we built, then that would be at this point, that is the most amazing goal and dream we could have. And I'll tell you, Sue, it reminds me of like when I would make my goals for doing an Ironman or a marathon, like the first goal, like your top goal is I'm going to go out and win it. But then you always come back to, well, my number one goal is to finish the race. Okay. I'm not going to drop out. That's my, that's my, you can't know the bottom goal. And then you go up from there. And then my next goal is not to walk. And then my next goal would be like, well, if I'm going to walk, just walk the aid stations, you know, and then like you, you make your way up. And I feel like, you know, I didn't win the Ironman with skirt sports, but I landed in a place that felt very, it feels very both satisfying. I feel like I believed I had failed for a very long time. And through this process, I fought being able to look people in the eye who were like, what's going on? How's skirt sports? You know, and I kept be wanting to be like apologizing, like, well, we're not going to make, you know, like all the kind of negative talk because I know all the inside information. But um, at the end, when I announced to my community that, and my ambassadors who are just freaking amazing women all over the country, um, and I told them that, I think this is the end. We, it might be the end. It might not, but we have to work as if it will be. Um, I'm, I'm worried about disappointing you. You know, all the emotions that go into it. It was only then when people started to write tributes to me on my social media, send me emails, people I barely know that I interacted with, I barely remember, and they would say, the most amazing and beautiful things about how this little skirt changed their lives and helped them love themselves and things like that, that just really hit me so hard in the heart. And I realized that, you know, I really didn't fail. I succeeded and success just, I had to redefine what success was for me. Mm. Wow, Nicole, what an amazing message to get through the community and the connections and the relationships that you built to then kind of have that come full circle and really affirm how successful your work has really been and how impactful it's really been. Yeah, it's a lot. It's heavy. <laughs> it is. So you sold the business and I see you sold it to some really great people that seem to have a really similar community. So yes. it seems like a perfect fit. Yes. I am so lucky. It's a funny story. Can I share the story? Do we have time? 
Sure. Um, so in May, on May 1st, we actually launched our finish line sale. Well, we, mm-hmm. we knew we were going to do it a few weeks prior, but um, a week before I got an email from her name is Sarah Ratzleff, and she is from the Zuma Women's Race Series. And I had emailed her in October when I was all like, how are we going to move all this product? Um, and I, I, she never got back to me in October. Well, I had emailed her to like do a cross promotion or something marketing related, right? And so she writes me back in April. Well, it turns out she was going th- through all kinds of life stuff and was way behind on emails and she had no idea of what we were about to do. She sent me an email and she said, hey, Nicole, I'm just circling back from this email from six months ago. So we laugh about that. Um, and she said, do you still want to do a cross promotion? And I wrote her back and I was like, no, I don't want to do a cross promotion, but if you want to buy my company, let's talk. (laughs) She was like, oh, well, that's really interesting. (laughs) I might actually take you up on that. And, uh, we started, yeah, we started a conversation and, um, we just hit it off. I adore her. She is exactly what we stand for. She is a strong, compassionate woman who is working hard to help other women find happiness. That is what she does through Zuma. And Zuma is an events company. So the events world is on its head right now. You know, they've all switched to virtual events for the time being. And um, she's really wanted to expand. And she knows that our markets are so similar. I mean, there was just, there were so many synergies. And uh, it was interesting. Um, towards the end of our process of, of trying to figure this out, I actually got another offer. I got an offer that was an incredible financial offer. And it did not have the emotional connection. But I felt that I had a responsibility to pursue it, not just for myself, but for my investors. That if they had found out at some point that I had this like really strong offer and I didn't pursue it, I mean, who knows? They'd come after me. I just, I wanted to do right by everybody involved with the company. And so I called Sarah and I said, Sarah, I know we're close. I have a responsibility to myself and others that I need to pursue this. Can we pause? Will you still be here? Because that was my risk. I need 30 days. This company needs 30 days to flush this out. And she thought about it and she came back and said, let's pause. And I will be here waiting for you if, if, it's, if it doesn't work out. She was so gracious. At the end of the day, it did not work out. And I will tell you, that I truly believe and I knew in my heart when I made this decision to pause, I was making a decision based 100% on financial reasons. And I knew that's not, that when I do that in my life, it has never been the right decision. I knew that. I still did it anyway, right? Um, And it was not the right decision. And so on the 31st day, I called Sarah and we picked up where we left off. We got our deal done in nine days, literally signed the purchase agreement for Skirt Sports in nine days. And she went and ordered some fall product and is uh, 
Well, she's working on it actually, but she's going to have products coming at the end of 2020. So it is, we are on our way. And I feel so grateful because not only things happen the way they were supposed to, I have a new friend. I have a new sort of peer in business who's an amazing leader. And she has a vision that she's younger than me. <laughs> she's got more energy. And she has a vision that is, it's an amazing vision. And she's putting it forward to become a key player in, as a resource for women runners out there. Real women runners, not the elites. And I'm not saying every woman's not real. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah. for, for the every woman. And she's doing it. And I'm just so grateful to be a part of it. What a great story. You really have trusted yourself through all these different phases and kept getting closer and closer to this, what seems like such a great fit. What, a, what an inspiration. So I know that you have a lot of things to wrap up with Skirt Sports and this business transaction is recent and you just announced this maybe a couple weeks ago, barely, to the world. And then I also know you have your own thing coming and your own podcast, which is another piece of the amazing business that you've created. So tell us, you know, with the podcast and what you're working on, what's next? This is the hardest question. Everybody's asking what's next, right? And they've been asking for a while. And I got some really great advice early on because I was feeling that I should know what was next. Like, the day that I stopped skirt sports and I don't know. And what my friend told me was, you, you cannot effectively put your energy into starting something when you need to be finishing something that's important. So maybe you should put your energy towards ending, take the pressure off, and then work on starting again. So I'm still, I feel like I'm still in the ending phase. I'm still helping with transition. It's only been a few weeks. And um, I plan to actually remain involved at some level, only doing the things I like to do. <laughs> Isn't that great? So, that sounds um, perfect. It's perfect. So what I actually want to do right now, and you're very versed in this, I'm going to go write a book. I need to write the stories of my life. If there has ever been a time, it's now. I am literally starting a new chapter. Not only did I finish skirt and I literally sent like the last packages of even just the stuff, the banners, the fabrics, the samples, those all left my house a week ago. At the same time, my family has decided to move to Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and we are starting a new chapter up in the mountains a fresh chapter for all of us. I'm calling it our decade, our next decade, because in a decade, our kid will be out of high school. So I'm thinking, let's dig in for a decade and try a new mountain lifestyle. So I'm really excited. I don't know what's next. In the meantime, though, my podcast, it's called Run This World with Nicole DeBoom. It continues to inspire me. And if my podcast inspires me, then I'm just like skirt sports. I'm hoping that it inspires other people too, right? So I'm going to keep that going. And um, I'm starting to build out a little newsletter. So just kind of taking 
allowing people to go through my process with me has been really helpful for me. And at the end of the day, I think when we do things that feel good for us, they're the right things. So uh, I have a website, it's nicoledeboom.com. And um, I encourage people to sign up for my email. I'm not spamming anybody. You don't want to be on it, just unsubscribe. I don't want you on it. If you don't want to be on it, you can, we can interact in all kinds of different ways. So that's where I am right now. I am in a little bit of no man's land, but I am not feeling panicked. I am feeling currently I have purpose because we're getting ready to move. And once we move, there will be purpose again. I just have to have faith that it will come. I love it. And I love that you can give yourself the space to just be where you are. And the transitions are, you know, so dynamic that it's helpful to give ourselves space to process everything that's going on inwardly and outwardly in a transition like that. So sounds like a really good plan. And once again, you can find Nicole's podcast, Run This World with Nicole DeBoom. I'm assuming it's on all the podcast outlets, right? You got and it. And your website, NicoleDeBoom.com. So definitely check her out there and I'll drop those in the show notes of the episode as well. Um, Nicole, it's such a pleasure to have you here today. And I really enjoyed this conversation and hearing just so many different aspects of your journey with your business and beyond. So thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Sue. You are fantastic. Your energy is incredible and you're doing really great things with this podcast. So keep it up yourself. We need more good feminine, positive energy in the world. Thank you so much for listening to this very special episode of Satiate Today. Until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support in cultivating all the health and happiness that you so deserve. Thank you so much for being part of the Boulder Nutrition.